Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, filling in for Pastor Dave, let's join Pastor Justin. Well, good morning again. Uh, It's still good to see you. Hopefully you can say the exact same thing. Um, If you would, uh, open your Bibles and turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. For many of you, you already know where this is is going. Um, But I trust you'll you'll still learn something new here today. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for this account from Luke. God, of the, of the details of the story of your son being born. Lord, I just pray that this familiar passage will become even more special to us today. That we'll be able to concentrate and focus on what you would have us to learn, even though we may have heard this many a time. Lord, give us your wisdom and give us your peace. We love you, praise in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And this certainly is a uh, a somewhat difficult story to preach. Uh, in many ways, it's a very simple story to preach. In many ways, it's a very difficult story to preach. Because I can tell you from my own experience that I have heard this story no less than a hundred times in my life. Probably many more. My family growing up had a tradition where every Christmas morning we would get up and we would read from the book of Luke the account of the uh, birth of Jesus. And so I can tell you right there, that's 27. And I can tell you also that I would hear this on Sunday morning before we would have Christmas time, a day like today. And you would hear it on Christmas Eve. And sometimes you would hear it throughout the year. We've heard this story 
numerous times, those of us who have been in church for a long time. And sometimes it's hard to tell stories that everybody knows. One of the things my family loves to do, uh, we are a very talkative family. Uh, it's something my wife, Amanda, has had to get used to. Um, the first time I went to Alabama to visit her family, uh, I went up there and we ate dinner and I think maybe ten words total were said. Um, contrast that with going to dinner at my house where uh, before you even walk in the door, ten words have been said. We talk a lot. And, and in that talking, we like to share stories. And one thing I've learned about these stories is after a while, you realize you're telling the same stories over and over again. And my mom, bless her heart, she's not here. That's a good thing. Because I'm going to tell this story. We tell a story about my mom forgetting to unplug a Christmas wreath. Waking up in the middle of the night, becoming scared because the wreath's still plugged in. Claiming a burglar must have broke into the house and plugged in the wreath. This was her story. We checked all the doors. The doors were locked. The chains were, were chained. And we, we looked at her and said, nobody came in this house. And my mom is a very proud woman. Others would say stubborn. I wouldn't. I want Christmas presents. She changed her story to, well, the cat must have plugged in the wreath. And my dad, showing wisdom that I wouldn't learn until I got married, said, honey, I believe you. <laughs> I think I yelled, I don't, and I'm going to bed. But, um, but we tell these stories, and sometimes the familiar stories, what I learn in these familiar stories is sometimes it's hard to tell because everyone already knows where you're going. They know the beats of the story. They can finish it for you. I'll start telling that story. Dad will jump in about the part about the cat. I'll jump in about the part about him believing it, which to me is the funny part. And we'll get through all that and we tell the stories, but we've heard it so many times. There's nothing really new to tell. And so when, uh, when Dave contacted me and he said that he was going to be unable physically to be here, I started praying, God, give me something unique to say. This is a great story. It's a wonderful story. And these stories are still fun. They're still wonderful. But sometimes it's a little difficult coming up with a new angle. There's also a danger to these stories. To these stories that we know so well, sometimes we tend to zone out. Now let me just ask, is there anyone here who might have some other things on their mind today? There's a few of you. Good, good. There's a few of you. There might be some other things on our minds today. I've, I've definitely been guilty of it. I've told Pastor Dave I've apologized. He asked me how a sermon went. I said, I don't know. I was thinking about football. I thought honesty would be a good policy, but he was kind of disappointed. But sometimes we have other things on our minds, and when we hear these old familiar stories, we tend to uh, say, oh, well, we got that. We, we Our brain sort of goes somewhere else. But I want to challenge you to focus today. I want to challenge you to really listen to part of this story. And the, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to focus on one verse from this story. And that's almost a disservice because of how great the story is. But I think there's some power in one verse in this story. And so if you would, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. It says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths 
and lying in a manger. Now this is the angel speaking. This is Gabriel speaking, so I think I have some authority to speak on this. The angel was telling these shepherds, this will be a sign. Now, I have to give a confession. Um, I'm using the NIV translation, okay? Um, the NIV translation, I believe, gets it wrong here. Okay, we need to be able to say stuff like this, right? I believe it gets it wrong. It says a sign. In the Greek, uh, there is a definite article attached to sign. It says the sign, not a sign. So I need to write whoever translated that for us to make sure they understand. There's a definite article. The angel Gabriel says, and there will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And so here is a sign. And it's interesting because it comes after the greatest news bulletin of all time. The greatest one. You know, sometimes we we watch the news and they'll have wonderful things will happen. You know, there'll be, um, you know, a kitten was rescued from a tree. And we'll go, yay, wonderful, that's so exciting. Um, for some people it's, uh, it's you know, this business is going great. There's a great bulletin. There's wonderful things happen. Things in our lives happen. We find out um, a family member is, has had a child. We find out that someone has graduated from college. We find out that someone has won the lottery and donated it all to Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. We find these things out, um, at least tithe. We find these things out, and it's exciting, but it's not nearly as exciting as the greatest news ever broke. And it was broke by the angel Gabriel. Look back one verse. It's verse 11. It says, Today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Man, that's some good news. Now think about the, these people had been waiting for this news for many, many years. And here it is. Today's the day. So we have the greatest news ever told. And the angel says, God has given a sign. It is the sign for you to figure out where the greatest news ever told. And here's the sign. It's a flashing marquee. There's some uh, wavy men with giant arms. There's spotlights and a helicopter and rock music. No. Well, that sounds like a sign, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like a sign? No, the sign was a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Now, I, uh, I one time, a couple years ago, Amanda and I, we went on a trip to Atlanta. Um, and we were, we were up there doing some fun things, a little mini getaway vacation. And there was this comedy show we wanted to go to. You know, I like to laugh. I don't know if you could tell. But I like to laugh. And there was this comedy show we wanted to go to, and, and I knew some of the people involved. And, and so we set out to look for this venue. Now, uh, we had a little bit of, uh, of an advantage. We have a GPS, okay, on the phone. We also had a map quest because I like to be prepared in that way. So we had everything and we were ready to go. And we, uh, we get to where the GPS says the building should be right here. And we can't find it. Um, it's dark. It's kind of scary. Um, you know, there's random horns honking all around. It's, it's just kind of a scary place. And we looked and looked and looked. There was no sign. There was no blinking marquee that said, hey, this is what you're looking for. And we thought, wow, they really could have used a sign. Because we ended up just leaving and going back home. Turns out we were in the exact right place. It just wasn't a sign for the venue. 
And so God knew the importance of His sign, and He said, I'm going to give them a sign, but it's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be extravagant. It's going to be simple. I'm going to give them a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. It wasn't a big sign, but it was a bold sign. It's a bold sign. And so for today, uh, here's what I would like to do, an experiment, if you will. Uh, let's pretend, and yes, this is a children's ministry technique, let's pretend that the only information we had about this birth, the birth of Jesus, was the information the shepherds had. Let's just pretend for a minute we are told that the Savior of the world has been born today, and our only sign is that he's a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Let's get rid of the rest of the story that we all know by heart. Let's imagine that that's what we know. Those are the information uh, bullets that we've been given. Suppose Luke 2.12 is what we know. What would we learn about Jesus? What could we possibly learn about Jesus from just the sign the shepherds were given? Well, first of all, I think we would learn of Jesus' humanity. It says you will find a baby. We would learn of Jesus' humanity. The Greek word there for baby is not a special word. It's not. It literally means newborn. It means a baby. It doesn't mean baby God, baby king. There are words for those. It just means baby. Now, I want to tell you, there has been a struggle throughout the centuries in Christian thought and theology, and the struggle has centered around really two things. It's, was Jesus wholly human? Was Jesus wholly God? Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Was Jesus completely human? Was Jesus completely God? And I want to answer both of those with one word. You ready? Yes. Yes. You see, there was some thought back in the day that Jesus couldn't possibly have been human. He is God after all. But we see later on here in the New Testament that Jesus most certainly was human. If you would, uh, if you have your Bibles up, turn really quickly to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And here we see very clearly the importance of Jesus' humanity. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Is that not true today? My goodness. Verse 2, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come from the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. I think that scripture right there should lay uh, lay to rest any discussion that Jesus was not a human being. It says if we deny that Jesus came from the flesh, then we are like the Antichrist. That is powerful. You have to understand, for the sacrifice of God, for His plan, Jesus 
was human and we learn of his humanity, but we also cannot separate, like we cannot separate Jesus from his humanity, we cannot separate him from his deity. Jesus was God. We have the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all God. And we see that in John, regular John, not 1st John. One of the uh, mysteries of the Bible, 1st John is not the 1st John, it's John. Try teaching that to kids in Bible drill, it's a lot of fun. But John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to what? To that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, we have to understand that the baby that was born there was born human and God. It's one of those things that's difficult. In math, you don't really understand it. It doesn't add up. But thankfully, our God isn't defined by our understanding of arithmetic. Thankfully, our God is bigger than that. And so it, it defines Jesus' humanity. One thing I read while studying for this that I just thought was fantastic is this. It says the real miracle of Jesus' arrival was at conception, not at birth. We celebrate the birth, but the real miracle was at conception, not at birth. It was a regular birth. He was a baby. He was a baby. And the next thing I think we learn from Luke chapter 2, verse 12 is this. I think we learn of his helplessness. Of his helplessness. And we get this from the part wrapped in cloths. In the King James, as many of you are reading, it says swaddling cloths, right? Okay. Let me tell you something. This is something that often gets confused. And it got confused by someone I consider to be a great man. Um, uh, so one of the uh, seniors at the former church that I was at named Mr. Tucker. I loved him so much. He always had a difficulty with this verse. He would say, how in the world was Mary not prepared for the baby. He said, I know she had a onesie for him somewhere. She was prepared for that baby. That's what he would say. And he was mostly being playful, but he, he really struggled with this. And, uh, and I think I have the answer for Mr. Tucker when I tell you this, that these, these cloths were done as a, a, a warming device. Okay? Uh, generally, uh, from the, from the research that I've done here, generally you would wrap arms, you would wrap legs, and you would wrap, wrap the body. It would essentially immobilize the baby, right? He's almost mummified in this wrapping state. But in an era, in a time, where many of the children who were born, nearly most of the children who were born, wouldn't see their first birthday, this was a way to insulate them, to keep, uh, the outside out and to keep them warm, uh, especially uh, at nighttime like this. And so this was done because the baby Jesus, like I said, was a baby. He was helpless. He needed his mother. He needed his earthly father. He needed these people. Now I know, and please don't under, misunderstand me, uh, we see the helplessness also when we talk about Jesus on the cross. And, and believe me, if Jesus wanted to, he could have called every angel in heaven to come take him off the cross. He could have done it a different way, but that was not his plan. Don't confuse me. I'm not saying God 
I'm not saying Jesus wasn't God and couldn't have called angels. I'm just saying as a baby, here he was wrapped in cloths because he needed help. He needed that. He was helpless. And I think we can learn something about our Savior here. I think we can learn something about him. That someone who loved us so much that he would go from sitting on heaven's throne to being a helpless baby wrapped in cloths. Can you imagine the love to make that sacrifice? It's immense. It's absolutely immense. You see, this birth was not a privileged birth. It wasn't a royal birth. It wasn't an expected birth. There is no way that you could claim that Jesus is just here for the rich and powerful when he's born and wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. His birth showed that he was here for everyone, from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. Lastly, I think in verse 12 of chapter 2, we learn of his humility. His humility. Lying in a manger. There's some confusion about what this word means, manger. We have uh, over here what we what we use as a manger. It's sometimes it's thought of as a feeding trough, which is definitely one of the uses of this word. It can also mean the area where the feeding trough is. Okay, so the stable. He was born and he was lying in a manger. He was God. He was fully God. He set out a plan to save the world. But he was humble enough not to put himself in the first palace, which he definitely deserved. Not to overthrow the king immediately, which he definitely could have. He was humble enough to show his love for us to lie in a manger. You see, his birth to the world at that point was not a huge event. Gabriel immediately told everyone, hey, it's a big deal. But the moment that it was happening, it was not a huge event to the world. It wasn't a priority. He couldn't even get inside, you see. But that's okay. Because God's sign didn't need to be big and outlandish. It didn't need to be braggadocious. It just needed to be powerful. I'll tell you, it's, it's amazing to me the humility of Jesus because uh, I actually I have a lot of contacts uh, with bands. As part of a group that I work with of youth pastors, we put on an event every year called One. It's an evangelism event that uses music uh, and powerful speaking to uh, spread the gospel and to reach children. In the past two years, we've had over 60 salvation decisions at One. And we're really, really excited about that. And part of my job in this process is I am the contact for the bands and the speakers. And so I get on the phone, I get on the email, I contact Christian bands, Christian speakers, and ask them if they would like to come and perform or speak at our one events. And I have to tell you, I realize that these are our Christian brothers and sisters, but some of them are extremely difficult to deal with. I had a Christian band one, one time tell me there was four of them. Um, I told them what our budget was. They said we can work with that. The one thing we need is we need individual hotel rooms for each of us. And I said, well, you know, what about host homes? You know, we can get your own bedroom if you do host home. No, we need hotel rooms for all of us individually. 
Uh, and we need you to fly in all of our gear first class. Um, we didn't work with them. Um, but they, we've, I've talked to groups who said, well, how many people are going to be there? And I told them, well, our attendance the last couple of years has been 250 students. 250 students, uh, they're singing, praising God, some of them accepting Christ. And I was told, well, that's not quite big enough for us. We need more warm bodies there if we're going to come and perform. And so I contrast that attitude with the attitude of Christ. Easily he could have said, you know what, I'll go save the world. I'll go save these sinners that I care about. But I'm going to be born in a palace. I'm going to be raised a king. I'm going to have every wonderful treatment. I'm not going to live a life of poverty and difficulty. And he said no to that. He showed his humility. Listen to these words by St. Francis of Assisi. It says, For our sakes he was born a stranger in an open stable. He lived without a place of his own wherein to lay his head, subsisting by the charity of good people, and he died naked on a cross in the close embrace of holy poverty. Sounds like someone who's incredibly humble to me. And so we come to the end of our story, and we see God's surprising sign. It's not a glowing marquee. It's not the wacky inflatable arm guy. It's not a giant gorilla. It's not even a wonderful banner that we ordered from Banners on the Cheap. It's a baby wrapped in cloth and resting in a trough in a cave behind an inn. You could say it's not a very likely beginning to the saving of the world. But a beginning it was. It most definitely was. You see, God knew what we needed for Christmas. God knew what we needed for Christmas. And He was going to give it to us. If the world had needed to be taught, God would have sent a teacher. If the world needed an army, God would have sent a general. If the world had needed more money, God would have sent a banker. But the world needed a savior. And God sent a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for your gift and the gift of your Son. Lord, at Christmas time, we can't celebrate ourselves from the birth and from Easter and the, and the death and resurrection. God, you knew when you sent your Son what was in store for him. You knew it was going to be a difficult life, but one that he could live and he could live perfectly to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to do that. God, we thank you that you would give yourself into such lowly circumstances to save us, the people that you love. Lord, I pray that we would remember that this season, that we would celebrate that together. We love you. We praise you in your name.
Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.